just having some lovely cat food here. Absolutely delicious. But I'll break away from that uh, to welcome you to episode 73 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we discuss films previously described by other, uh, I was going to say bigots, hopefully we're not bigots, um, as masterpieces. Everybody's um, somebody bigots. I mean, we're white. <laughs> Well, that's true. Yeah, okay, we are passive bigots, if nothing else. Um, uh, I am Nick, the... Uh, well, I'm struggling to find characters from this movie that I could... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I would wish to be. Um, uh, yes, the the, uh, the handsome prawn of this podcast, and I'm joined by an equally handsome prawn, Roger. <laughs> um, and we are discussing Neil Blomkamp, have I said that right, Neil Blomkamp's? So. Uh, not 19 at all. I'm distracted because it starts in 1980-something. But the film itself is from 2009, and it is, of course, District 9, the uh, Johannesburg-set science fiction drama with heavy overtones, um, yeah. which we'll come on to. Um, not not particularly subtle <laughs> overtone, but um, but it's uh, it's trying its best. So this is um, an alternate history film in that in this alternate history in the 1980s, a huge spaceship appeared over Johannesburg, and when they uh, and did nothing for a long time, uh, and when people finally got into it, they found is it a million? starving aliens on board. <laughs> now, I'm not entirely clear whether these were... I assumed from that that these were like a subclass of aliens that were being used as slaves, but it seems like they're all the same species, I think. The ones flying the thing, or the ones in charge, or something yeah. had gone completely tits up on board anyway. And I, I, no I, I, in... We don't get a full set of answers by any means. No, no, you can speculate on that. But, but also, of course, um, because they are yeah, they're just sitting there and starving and not really showing any initiative. That that's what the the first of a great many parallels we'll have with, with the, the image of the lazy black guy in South Africa. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, but, but anyway, yeah, they, they they are relocated to a camp shot in, shot in an actual shanty town. Yes, uh, which uh, looks very much like a, a shanty towns we have. Uh, seen uh, most was on the news, thankfully. Um, but they are divided from the rest of humanity. They're not allowed um, in places where humans go. They have uh, there's prawns only. They're called prawns because of their resemblance to our crustacean brethren. Um, uh, yeah, uh, specifically South African reference. The Pocktown prawn is a common slang term for the African king cricket. Okay, and they look a bit like that, do they? There's a bit of that in there, yeah. I mean, but, okay. but, but, but that's the origin of the slang term, probably, rather than the actual seafood. I see. Okay, I didn't pick up on that, but that's fair enough. Um, I, I've been reading Madame and Eve uh, for, for quite a few years, so I don't claim to be an expert in South African culture, but I can at least pick up on easy references. Okay, so that would mean more, I guess, uh, to a South African audience. But uh, regard these um, are basically. Um, Specially segregated, should we say, um, from the other species on the planet. Uh, there are 
a million of these guys um, and uh, it falls upon the South African government to basically look after them, which they... A, a famously uh, loving and compassionate government. Especially in the 80s, yes. Um, which they don't really do. They just kind of cordon them off and let them get on with it. Um, and we join our... Uh, I'm going to say hero protagonist, um, <laughs> Vickers, Vickers van der, van der Meer. Merv, is Merva. it? Uh, Merva. Uh, Merva. Um, as he has been, by, via nepotism through his father-in-law, been given the uh, the leadership of the task, which is clearing out District 9 uh, to move the aliens to their delightful new uh, shiny holiday camp accommodation, District 10, which is, crucially, much further away from Johannesburg. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's that's the premise of the film. That's where it starts. Yeah, and and it does start off um, being a sort of found footage. We recovered this from from the doc, from the documentary crew. It gives up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, doesn't but, it? but but we we do also get some cutaways to you know here is a talking head saying here is what the situation was like. Yes, it opens very much like a found footage, and I, I always thought if you're going to start with that, you should stick with it. But this, uh, I I can't say. I noticed the moment when it broke away from that. We start seeing having scenes where uh, with two aliens talking to, with no film crew nearby or whatever. Um, but uh, I, at the end of the film, I thought, "Hang on, wasn't this a found footage film?" Uh, they, uh, and I, that slightly irked me. I must say, if you're going to frame it that way, uh, frame it that way, or come up with a narrative reason why you're not doing that anymore. Yeah, and in terms of the the visual. Uh, Affect of the thing. It, it did remind me a lot of Primer. Uh, I, I believe the camera crew here were more experienced, but they were similarly very strapped for cash. Uh, yeah. As I understand it, they, they got some help from uh, Peter Jackson and Better Workshop, particularly on the creature effects. Well, there, hadn't there been a short film before this, uh, I I, so. which I haven't yeah, seen? Uh, Alive in Joburg. That's right, and I I haven't seen it, so I don't know what bits. I, I'm assuming this is an expansion of that idea, um, but I I think it was on the strength of that short film that Peter Jackson sort of helped them out with the production, and whether he encouraged uh, Blomkamp to make uh, make it a longer feature, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, I am... historically there was a there was District Six in Cape Town. Uh, and in the 60s the South African government said right this is a whites only area we're going to move everybody who isn't white to this other place 16 miles away so it's pretty unsubtle um, overtones so so we we might not be immediately familiar with that I mean obviously I've done a bit of looking up uh, but I I get the feeling this is intended primarily for for the South African audience who will get these references well, I think you're, uh, you know, that's already two that I didn't, uh, at the District 6 I found it to looking in a bit, but then, uh, yes, I think there's a lot of it that resonates strongly with South African culture that, that we're just not aware of. But even, um, even for us, it's pretty clear this is a film trying to say something about apartheid or, or, or at least, hopefully it's trying to say something about apartheid because otherwise it's just kind of using apartheid as a, Backdrop. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's talking about South African racism in general. I mean, it is. Well, it's it's got to be. But by, we... by saying it's these aliens rather than actual black people, you're saying you're also universalising it. You're saying, yeah, it, it could be, you know, the Jews, the homosexuals, the whatever. 
Well, it also does a thing that I do like in, uh, in fact, one of the reasons I love science fiction in that it then posits an interesting question, which is what science fiction is very good at is, okay, you've got the other that you hate. Well, what if you wake up one day and you find that you're the other? Which is what happens, really, because Wickus gets sprayed with some uh, bizarre goo from a canister, which turns out to be the one canister on the planet that can power the mothership back up, uh, or something, I forget, it's some kind of unobtainian slash um, uh, MacGuffinanium mm-hmm. stuff. But what it does to Wickus is start to transform him into a brawn. Um and uh, sorry, I'll try not to slip into South African accent. Um, I just, I, I, I do like the. There's something really nice about seeing accents we don't see very often. Mm, um, yeah. uh, and so it was nice to to see that. Um, uh, the, the, there's a side issue in this uh, because the alien ship was full of weird and incomprehensible tech, but some of which is very obviously weapons. Yes. Uh, but they turn out to be, in, in effect, something like DNA locked, as in only an actual alien can operate them and yes. the, the aliens aren't interested in this uh so w- once it becomes known that that he's got this transformation they they are oh boy yeah we we can uh we, we can now we, we can, can get you to weapon. pull the trigger and it goes boom excellent <laughs> well yes let's, so let's carve you into lots of little pieces <laughs> uh yes so well uh wickers is immediately whisked away to one of the most evil secret government layer. I mean, it's not subtle here about how evil and egregiously evil that he's. Uh, I, I, maybe that is. It, it felt a bit like a, um, uh, a, a bit of a throwback to the kind of paranoid sixties view of governments um, of, of all these secret stuff behind closed doors. Um, and, and a certain amount of once you have a bit of openness in government, well, you outsource it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, oh, that's how our government works nowadays. Um, and so Wickus uh, escapes, and that yeah, that's it. I hadn't really considered that before. All the aliens in in District Nine have access to this incredible weaponry, which they're very prepared to give up for tins of cat food. Um, but once Wickus is there, he galvanizes. Well, he doesn't even galvanise a revolution. He's just kind of the only one prepared to use this incredible military might. It, it's um, a sort of white saviour, but I think it largely manages to avoid that. It, it uh, yes, but there's a, there is does seem to be a hint of that too. But I, I think it does avoid it largely because they are alien and to some extent inscrutable, um, and we don't quite know what these million are um, mm. and, and quite how they ended up in this situation but there, there is a hint of that you're right um, to, to touch upon it um, so uh, Wickers is um, then coerced into retrieving the MacGuffin from the uh, laboratory um, by the one uh, alien who does have some guess up and go which is Christopher uh, I, don't, I missed where he was called Christopher were they given names when they landed I think they are assigned names I, I, I think we're meant to assume it I, di- I didn't get any of that actually in the uh, film okay. and f- for that matter it, it looked at first as, as though they weren't uh, actually able to communicate with more than gesture but then it turned out well no actually quite a lot of aliens do seem to understand humans and vice versa so yes yeah I, I well so perhaps it's worth just talking about the opening scene a bit where they are where Wickers is moving in and, and clearing out and this is when it really is quite heavy documentary style to the point where um, 
uh, he's saying to the camera crew, get back, get back, this is dangerous. Um, uh, I, and I wonder if this is what the original film was like, um, the, the, you know, the short film. It's pure speculation because I haven't seen it. But it felt like this was quite a distinct entity to the rest of the film, this mm. kind of moving from house to house and clearing out and, and treating them as it becomes increasingly apparent as objects and subhumans and uh, with pretty heavy connotations of this is how black people were treated under apartheid. Also, I mean, it may just be that having seen a lot of it since this film came out, I, it, it's, I've become sensitised, but the, very much here is the legal fiction of we have to find somebody and put, a, put, an, put an eviction notice into their hands and get them to, get them to poke the button that says I've, I've been served this notice. Yes. Like Where in, one of them in it, practice they clearly don't have to do this. They could just move them on by force as they're going to do anyway. But if they've got that legal fiction, then it looks better for the PR. And I'm not sure because is even aware of that. Well, I, a part of him is because you know he, uh, I, he's not. Uh, I mean, he's an interesting character, isn't he? Because he's not particularly. He's clearly uh, someone who cares deeply about his wife and his family, but he's also someone who doesn't. Isn't particularly clever, or certainly not very thoughtful. Um, uh, to, and, to risk the cliche banality of evil. Exa- yes, exactly. He's a, he's a box ticker, and he doesn't really consider the implication of what he's doing. And it's mm. sort of suggested that he's. Um, and so he is an interesting character become, because he becomes more human as he becomes less human in in a way. I'm not sure that's handled uh, perfectly, but it, but I think well, that's kind of the point of it. Yeah, I mean, th- this is some- something that other people have said about it, and I'm, I'm not going to say they're wrong, but the impression I got uh, was that he, uh, uh, until the very end of, of his arc, yes, he was mu- he was not so much pro-human or pro-alien as pro-himself, and as yes. his interests got shifted to, you know, I've got this alien arm now, okay, now now I'm going to be a bit a bit more pro-alien because these are the guys who don't want to carve me up. Ra- rather, agree, rather yeah. than I am feeling a genuine empathy with these people. Yeah, I agree with and you. He, he's, he's still talking that patronising small words as to as to a child way. Yes, yeah, and, and uh, yes, I think that. You've and hit and the it's only on the right there, at the really. very end where he's saying, "You guys go. I'll hold this. I'll hold the bad guys off while you do the thing." Well, that didn't. Uh, yes, it's interesting that that didn't quite sell it for me because I, I think you're right it, as I said as I was just sort of saying he, he does I'm not sure it handles that transformation very well because mm. for the most part of it, it's just self-interest I absolutely agree with you he's like okay well the humans have completely rejected me I still want to stay alive let's be a bit kinder to the aliens at this point yeah um, I think that is a very fair point and so when he does sort of sacrifice himself right at the end he didn't quite sell it for me that well yeah, I, I I feel that that empathy is not really being foreshadowed mm. because I mean the decisions he's making could come from a newfound alien empathy or they could come from straight self-preservation. Yes, yeah, I I, uh, I, I know the way you read it and the character you've seen before, you kind of assume it's more self-preservation. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, so he uh, he is able to use weaponry now, and then so I my feeling about it is I found the opening. Interesting. I found this um, uh, this basically uh, parallel with apartheid, and they're going building to building and shifting people around. And you're able to say stuff about um, 
real world things without involving the messiness of it because you're not actually talking about and I, that's something I like about science fiction as well that you can mm. sort of hold a mirror up to these things I'm not sure it's sad I mean in that opening bit it didn't say much other than you know white people are pretty shitty when they, when they <laughs> have to be um, and then sort of the next uh, half of the film in a way uh, well then we have the government being awful to him and him finally escaping yeah. uh, I, and I feel almost from that moment on from when he escapes uh, I felt the film degenerated really into a bit of a a long stretched out point about well I touched on the fact that I find it interesting you know an interesting science fiction question what if one day you wake up and you're the victimised that you've been victimising this whole time mm. but it I think his reaction to it was quite realistic but I'm not sure it explored that point the the film felt to me then to go in the favour of special effects big guns boom mm -hmm. splats this is now a bit of a war film uh, lots of shaky cam, lots of gun cam. I must admit, I did find it quite hard to watch in, at places in, in yeah. the latter half. Yeah, and that, I... that thing we've been talking about about you know here here is a kinetic fight, and some directors, some cameramen will will say yes, but also you can still see who's where and and who's getting the advantage of whom, and some don't. And I don't feel that Blomkamp does here. No, he's doing that kind of thing, which is in a way more realistic. There's a big boom and tons of smoke, and no one knows what's happening. Uh, I just that's been done so much, in, particularly in like 28 days later um, and and 28 weeks later. Uh, I, I'm just a bit tired of that now. All right, yes, well done. It looks like an Israel footage, but I'm watching a film and I want to know what's actually happening. And mm. I think that um, uh, the Hurt Locker did that very well. Yeah. Um, and I think that Children of Men did that very well. Uh, most of the other films we've watched haven't really, and I haven't been able to follow what's going on. Um, and and because of that, so many of these weapons, you don't really understand how they're working anyway. They all seem to be push you away very quickly. Weapons, I, I think, to be fair, part, part of the point of that is that this is way beyond any comprehended tech, and clearly if it could be made into a generally human usable weapon would be a huge advantage for whoever got that first yes. you, you point at someone and you press a button and they go away yes exactly <laughs> I mean, it's no, quite no, clear these weapons are incredible um, and one of the very effective scenes for me they're, they're testing him against this series of targets yes. uh, with, with his prawn arm wedged into the trigger yes and then they bring an actual alien for him to test it on, and, and he's he's suddenly going from yes, I've been happy to go along with you to holy crap, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to. Oh crap, you've done it for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I, I guess that is some slight foreshadowing of of empathy because it, yeah, it's quite. Well, a... not, not even in terms of foreshadowing. It's just a very effective scene in itself. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. Um, uh, yeah, but um, I I do feel I I agree with you. I mean, they're they're clearly incredible weapons, and it really sells the fact that. Um, seeing them in action everyone's like we've got to get ourselves some of those um, uh, but uh, there's so much of it for the latter half of the film he's sort of going from shed to shed and then uh, for instance he just escaped from the um, uh, the facility and then he has to go back in there and I was like oh Okay, <laughs> I just wasn't that excited at the prospect, and it doesn't. From it, that point start, on, I, I did start to feel. Hang on, haven't I played this FPS? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like someone else. What's well, like watching someone else play an FPS after a while? Um, and it's, I, I think, to some extent, it's clear they were on a budget because these mm. are the kind of effects that look impressive, but relative by twenty ten, relatively cheap and easy to do on a computer. Yeah. So basically, um, all the aliens except for the one on the opera, on the dissection table mm. uh, are CGI. Yeah. And they they, they, do, they do a good job of lining things up. I mean, yeah, I'm say something like Sky Captain: The World of Tomorrow, which is all on virtual sets. Uh, it, it's much more obvious that the actors don't really have anything to look at. Here, here yes. that does work a bit better. And you know, you, the, the guy A is looking at B, and B is an alien and isn't isn't really there on the set, but A is still looking in the right direction. That kind of thing. I think it helps that it is sort of shaky cam and it's not like mm. traditional stage sets that are oh, you're in my eye line or whatever. It, you know, it's more like sure. real life where people aren't standing looking directly at people, addressing them in that way. Um, and I suppose we could talk about other characters. There's not, I mean, we have Christopher, who is, uh, he's not, he's, he's sort of a Christ-like figure almost, he even ascends to the spaceship at the end, mm. I think. Um, He's just a. There's not much to him, really. I mean, he's a prawn that is is the only prawn with any kind of personality at all. And I only call them prawns because they're not really given any other term for them other than Mm -hmm. alien, I suppose. Um, We have um, Colonel uh, Venter, who. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, praise to David James, a South African actor who portrayed him. Um, yes, he he does a good job, but it is it is a very simplistic role. It's really one dimensional. He, he, I mean, ne- ne- never mind the um, transportability of this across Europe and so on. I mean, we, we've seen this role as a South African in in other films. You know, I I, I just hate everybody who's not like me, and I that I enjoy killing. Well, woo. We've, I feel like we've had a number of, uh, Kuba, is it Kobus they call him, uh, for the most part yeah. of the film? We've had a number of those characters in a number of the films we've watched. Um, and I mean, he's all, not all right, I do like, can you believe they pay me for doing this? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're all, I mean, they're a reliably, uh, boo hiss character, that kind of sadist, um, mm-hmm. but who's very good at his job because he's going to kill him. Um, but having watched the Hurt Locker and, you know, which is a much more kind of realistic, or it feels realistic and, to me. And doesn't need villains. And doesn't need villains. Then just having this kind of, this is the military. Ca- I mean, I, I, it shouldn't be hard for me to believe that, you know, a South African um, paramilitary slash military um, colonel yeah, can I mean, be he, a bit sadistic and racist. Um, a mercenary rather than a government force. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, such people do exist, but we've seen a lot of them in film, and they're they're fairly uneasy. He's an interesting contrast to Wickers, who, you know, he he doesn't fit the banality of evil. He is the uh, the, the kind of the fun evil that is okay mm. to hate. Um, but you know, we see a, yeah, this put, is one put of the him reasons. in a hat on the beach with the helicopters in the background. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Colonel Gilgore had more to him than this, uh, but yeah. um, Avatar has basically the same character in, who's basically so so tough and manly he can breathe in a toxic atmosphere. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, let's uh, not condemn Avatar. Um, uh, th- and then the other characters we have—I mean, we have. Um, uh, that, gonna... That's it for the major characters. I think it's fair to say. Basically, we have the father-in-law who crops up as a 
again, the villainous kind of corporate executive slash government official. Um, mm. I'm not sure quite which he is. He seems to be a bit of both. Um, I think he is a corporate. I, I think he's corporate and obviously yeah. has a lot of pull with the government. Yeah. I, we, we don't really see much of the government here. They seem to do, pretty much do what the corp tells them. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, a cyberpunk. And then, I, I, unfortunately, so we have um, Obasanjo, I think you say, a pronounced, well, I'm going to re- re- wreck this pronunciation, but Eugene Wanangwa Kumbanawia, Kumbanawa, um, as the uh, Nigerian, I think, are they Nigerian? Yeah. Um, uh, kind of black marketeer uh, slash mercenary slash uh, pirates almost um, yeah I mean, as, as we first see him he, he is uh, the, the gang leader who's, who's doing the illegal cat food trade and yet you know in, in that kind of environment such characters are going to thrive uh, he's the only black character of notes in the mm. film and, and that I think that's a bit unfortunate yeah I mean uh, there, there's Vickers' assistant um, Fundiswa but He's, he's, it's a pretty small role. Oh, and he actually, is he the one that, uh, he does have a pivotal role in the sort of the outcome of the plot, ultimately. Um, but, he, yeah, he's got maybe three lines in the film or something. It's not in it very much. Mm. And so I, I did think it was a bit unfortunate that the only, uh, black character we have is, uh, uh, a pretty much pantomime villain as well, and it, it prone to, mm. uh, uh, native, uh, what am I trying to say? Primitive belief animism? system. Animism. Yeah, uh, I, I will consume my enemy and gain his powers kind of thing. Yeah. Which I, you know, such beliefs exist, but if you're going to have one black character in the film, does it have to be that guy that's the one that believes? That I, it just, yeah. Uh, I, I found that a bit uncomfortable given that, you know, what we're talking about is racism basically. Um, and I, I ultimately I was left with a feeling. I mean, we we haven't really touched on the plot afterward because it sort of degenerates into a big fightiness. There are so, there is some back and forth. There are some quiet scenes with Vickers when he kind of becomes resigned to his fate, and then there's some kind of plot with Christopher, and he has to get the MacGuffin, and then when they got the MacGuffin, they have to get it to the MacGuffin inserter. Um, <laughs> but I I don't know. Am I missing much in the way of plot? I, I felt like there were zero surprises. From the moment Christopher said, "We have to go back and get this black tube," yeah, I, I didn't really. I, I, I am having visions of an FPS screen with 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 the, with the blinking white mission text: "Take McGuffin to McGuffin insert." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Press A to pick up black black McGuffin. Now put McGuffin in McGuffin insert. Um, uh, and yeah, it even had the and now you're in a tank, an alien tank at the end when Vickers um, accidentally falls into a. Even though he's still got a human face and it seems to have a heads-up display that works fine for him, it, yeah, you think stopped. it'd be further around the side. <laughs> yes, he's not got prawn anatomy completely yet. Um, Though the the thing about that, I I, I did think the battle. Let's face it, it's a battle suit. We know what these uh, are. Yeah, yeah, which is um, cool. I mean, it's I really thought it was, I thought it was nicely done, with, with one exception. Yeah. And to be fair, this, this is the thing I always say about giant practically anything on film. Yeah, uh, inertia. Right, yes. Um, we, we get some idea of how strong it is, but it, yeah. moves, it moves too quickly. It moves, frankly, like a CGI model, which obviously is what it is. 
and it may be that's actually how it works, but it makes it less believable because yeah. you want some sense of its weight. Which and is, if you, know, if you think of you know a JCB or a crane or something, there, there, it, it starts moving slowly. It stops moving slowly, and that's what we're used to seeing in things of that size. And the same with animals. Well, you know, I suppose a jet um, moves pretty quickly. Um, you don't think of it in the same way, but still, it's not. Yeah, the the kind of uh, I yeah, I think you're right. The kind of shape that it is. One thing that does it very well. Uh, talking of bodysuits, is um, the one in Aliens uh, that Ripley gets in. Um, it's probably because it's not a CGI one, but it, you know, but it is a miniature, I think. Um, but it really gives you a sense of clonk, clonk, sunk, mm. smash, crud, crash. Also, this is a piece of industrial equipment, not in fact a war machine. Well, yeah, that that, nice. <laughs> that helps too. Um, I mean, oh yeah, I enjoyed it as it was. Uh, but uh, I I felt there was a missed opportunity, really, to say... I, I did start to think that this is just a backdrop, like the racism and the apartheid has, has now just become a backdrop for a, for a first-person shooter, as you say. It's uh, Was I missing something? Did you feel like it had interesting I, I things to impression. say about Also, I mean, this is the thing I try not to do. Uh, when, I, when I'm watching a film I haven't seen before I, I try not to get too much of an idea of what other people thought of it but I do remember yeah. when this came out a lot of people I knew saw it and said this is really great yes and I, I was expecting more of too. it as a result than a, a frankly you know, well handled but essentially to me not emotionally engaging action piece yeah I think that is ultimate I think you've again hit the nail on the head it didn't I wasn't particularly distressed by Wickers's fate because I didn't like him that much in the first place. Um, and, and he did sell it as the horror of it and the bit where he's trying to chop his, oh, the, you know, it sells body horror relatively well. I don't know. I don't know if there were some elements of some of the worst of Lovecraft's <laughs> views, um, creeping in there, but I, I don't well, think it quite yeah. earned the, Empathy. None of Lovecraft's characters would have ever had empathy with the other by the end of it, would they? Um, <laughs> well, that would just be so, proof that they were mad. Well, they, yeah, then they would. <laughs> then they've gone over to the other side, and they are the baddies, like the last page of the Shadow Over Innsmouth. Um, which so, is completely uh, different Blomkamp to the rest did, of it. did uh, claim not to be deliberately imitating things, but he certainly reckoned subconscious influences were, you know, 80s good science fiction, but several of which we've reviewed. You know, Alien, Aliens, Terminator, Terminator yeah. Two. Uh, Predator, Robocop. Though he he was trying for that sort of feel, that aesthetic. Yeah, and I, well, and uh, to some extent, yeah. it works. It does, yes. But I think all of those films that you listen have things that aren't really here, which is basically sympathetic characters that you cared about. Um, mm. And I I didn't. I mean, I suppose Christopher, maybe, but, you but know, he, really, he doesn't really have much of a character other than. What wants wants his child to survive and wants to do the thing? Yeah, and those are a lot of the characters here are pretty one dimensional, and and Wickus is the most complex and interesting, but that's not saying a great deal really. And I I, I was left with it. Well, so if it wanted to emulate that, yeah, but I prefer all the films that you just mentioned <laughs> to this one. Um, uh, they just uh, you know. I don't know if Terminator's trying to say anything particularly other than to tell a good story, honestly. Well, go and Alien... listen to that episode. It's a great Well, episode. that's a fair point, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember it. <laughs> and so, you know, Aliens may touch upon Vietnam, but it's not really trying to say 
things about it particularly it's using the aesthetic uh, so I don't know why I don't object to it there so much as here I feel like this is so set up to say something about racism and then doesn't really other than I suppose the point is well if you had a group of people that you didn't like and you were mean to them all the time and then you woke up and you were one of those people you would probably feel more sympathetic towards those people wouldn't you and I don't know <laughs> I don't know really quite what I, I, know, I know I'm going out on a limb here but do you think it's possible that racism is bad <laughs> uh, maybe it's one of these situations where it's you know it's it's polemicising to us think something that we thought already a bit like we had with um, traffic uh, mm. and we do tend to object to being told things we think already I don't know why that's us because uh, we're white guys probably <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think it was saying it particularly eloquently or Oh well, really? Yeah. Turns out, prawns are people too. Who knew? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I was. Left, I... To be fair, I mean, Weta Workshop did did um, put a fair bit of effort into this to make them look like initially definitely non-human, definitely unpleasant. Yeah. And then make it possible to sympathise with them later on. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that. And, I mean, and, they and are that's competently done. They're not dissimilar to the Starship Troopers. Well, they are. Oh, I love Starship. I know I shouldn't, but I love Starship Troopers. So, uh, the, oh, the audience at home, that is a raised eyebrow. Yeah, that was, a, that was <laughs> what Paddington would call a hard stare. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I will never mention that again. Um, but it is Paul Verhoeven, though, and he's uh, it's not as good as Robocop. Anyway... Um, uh, I, I, I will just mention Roger's War Toys Corner, which is an expansion of Roger's Guns Corner. Um, but there's a whole bunch of the, yeah, obviously because of the uh, tradition of, of the embargoes and so on, uh, South Africa built up a, an arms industry, which it, and it then happily exported to nasty little wars all over the world. Oh. Uh, but but you see a lot of that here, particularly the Caspian uh, APC. The, it's obviously a mine resistant uh, design. Yes. Uh, the uh, vector assault rifle, that kind of thing. Okay. It, it's very much the Oryx helicopter. Is, it, it, yeah, the, the, on the one hand, these are obviously the ones they had to hand because they were yeah. filming in South Africa. On the other hand, it's nice to see this stuff, which is a bit alien to us who are used to, you know, mostly the US, UK inventory. Right. Uh, Russian quite often as well. Uh, yes. Yes, fair enough. It was interesting. I mean, it's a well made, well done film. I just didn't, uh, it didn't quite sink the landing. Is that what you say? Um, it, it didn't quite sell. So we have the final scene, you know, of the, the now fully crustaceanized, um, uh, Vickers making a little petal flower for his wife. Give up, mate. You've got no chance now. Give it up. <laughs> Find a nice prawn. Settle down. Um, but the fact that I can say that... And produce laugh... 60 million eggs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, well, she can produce them and then you can spray your sperm over. Anyway, let's not <laughs> go into the... Um, uh, uh, the fact that we can sort of laugh about it, it didn't really... It came close to making me think, oh... But I didn't really care ultimately, uh, and mm, I, I, I liked... was not as engaged as I expected to be. Yes, I, I think that uh, again, uh, that's a very good summary where you said a lot of people said how great it was. Um, so I was expecting it to be really good, and it's it's good. Hmm. 
Um, I've certainly seen a lot worse films, and it engaged me. It's not that long, is it? It's yeah, like, sub, sub two hours. Sub two hours, which is always always welcome on Ribbon of Memes. <laughs> um, we don't get many of them, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's all right. Um, and very unusually for for a film that brought in two hundred million on a thirty million budget, there hasn't been a sequel. There's been talk of District Ten. I believe yeah. it's got to be. Uh, I mean, they, they, they started talking about that before it was released, if it made enough money. But uh, it doesn't seem actually to have happened. I think the problem uh, has been Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, yeah, which has all been badly received, I believe. So everyone thought it was great, and then he did some other stuff which nobody else liked I believe I could be wrong <laughs> I, I haven't seen any of it but um, well, that I, maybe... as, as I understand it um, the, the reason he met Peter Jackson in the first place was um, Jackson was going to produce Halo as in the video game adaptation and Blomkamp was going to direct right and then uh, things didn't come out there, there were funding hook up hold ups and so on and then, but then by then they knew each other and said well you know I've, I've got this other thing Shall, shall we do something on that? So yeah, uh, he did Elysium, which I uh, think hmm, I think it may have suffered because it wasn't District Ten. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it has Charlotte Copley in it again, and and a bunch of big name stars. Yes, yeah. and yeah, I, I think it may have suffered just because it wasn't more of the same, which is not which, right, is, not, which yeah. is not its fault. Uh, after that, uh, Chappie, so dystopian science fiction drama. Uh, demonic. Oh, which I vaguely remember that. I know yeah. nothing about. And, no, I don't remember um, hearing about demonic at all. And uh, Gran Turismo, which is not the one you may have heard of. It's an upcoming sports film. It's, it's not based on the video game, is the, it? This one is based on the video oh, game. There, there was the Clint Eastwood one a few years ago that wasn't, which isn't. And this one is based on the the driving game. Great. So we've had the first person shooting. Now we're going to have the driving game. I think mm. the Fast and the Furious might have that sewn up. Um, and they are. Oh, oh no! In, in this, the hero is an actual video game player. Okay. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> I'm not sold, but all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing there. I think that has been an amazing standout success. No, and that might be the problem as to why Districts. Surely they can't call it District Ten. Well, that, like... that was the plan. And it may it may have changed by now, but uh, uh, yeah, in 2021, they, they, uh, he he said uh, they're moving ahead on a script called District Ten. I suppose that there is a District Ten in the film, and it is where the aliens get moved next, isn't it? So fair enough. It just feels like just add it. You can't just add a number and make it the sequel. That's just like doing Madness of George the Fourth. It doesn't always. It, doesn't always <laughs> it, it is like, actually a consideration that you know we've we've got all this stuff about the the aliens are going to get moved out of the camp, yeah. which is fairly horrible, to this other place, which is clearly going to be worse. Yes, and nonetheless, that happens. Yeah, we, we, that that is not that does happen in, uh, by the actions of the protagonist. And we do, it's open for a sequel in the sense we don't know what happens when the ship comes back. Yeah, eventually it will come back and something will happen, but we don't know what. So, I'm yeah. not that bothered if I never find out in my <laughs> life, though. But fair, I, I, I feel like it's interesting. I, I feel like I've been more down on this than I needed to be. I, I mm. enjoyed it. It was. I, I think and, we're we're both suffering from raised expectations here. Yeah, I think you're right. It was above average to above average, but um, I, I didn't love it. So not a masterpiece for me. It doesn't, it doesn't quite mm. peak high enough. It doesn't. It, it, um, it has things that do that work very well. Yeah, it, it never like, quite got the emotional connection for me. I agree. I do like um, uh, what's his face Vickers's performance. I, he's a, he's a, 
uh, uh, David James. Uh, no, no, Charles oh, Charles Copley. Copley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like him as a. He's watchable. Um, this was his first professional acting job. Oh, I think he does really well in it because he I was just... a mate of Blomkamp's. Uh, but I, I, uh, um, I, I enjoyed it, but um, I. That's it. That's all I could say about <laughs> yeah. it. There we are, District Nine. Yeah. So. I, I think its, it's reception is generally positive. I, it, 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 it came out, I think, maybe the week or so after Inglorious Bastards and took over the number one spot from it. Oh, did it? Which is not, which is not bad going. Um, yeah. Uh, with, a, with a pretty small budget as well, I think, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. a 30 mil budget. Um, mm. Partly, of course, because it's filmed in almost entirely on location. So, uh, yeah, and, well, and, and, and uh, Again, Rotten Tomatoes, 90% positive. More than Inglorious Bastards. Um, well, I, I mean, I would watch the sequel, probably. Yeah, I would. I'd be, well, would I? Maybe. <laughs> but I wouldn't go to the cinema to watch it. Mm. But then I wouldn't go to the cinema nowadays for pretty much anything that I can yeah. think of. So, there. Yeah. Well, there we are. That is District 9. Um, and all I want to say is all I want to do is eat that arm get your fucking tentacle out of my face <laughs> oh I did like the way they say fuck <laughs> <laughs> that is the one thing I took away from this film I'm going to say fuck a lot um, alright there we are good um, evening afternoon morning to everyone <laughs>